On today's episode of Investing in the American Dream podcast, we have IIUSA President and FPP CEO Bob Kraft. Bob is joining us today to discuss yesterday's USCIS settlement agreement with regional centers to resolve litigation disputes with EB-5 stakeholders. The settlement solidifies the preliminary injunction, injunction granted by Judge Vince Chabria, which allowed existing regional centers in good standing, such as FPP, to resume operating and filing the I-956F application for approval of an investment in a commercial enterprise. In this episode, we will highlight why the lawsuit happened, what is included in the settlement, what it means for regional centers and investors, and the future involvement between IIUSA and USCIS. Let's get into it. Bob, Peter, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Jessica. It's good to be here. Thank you. So, Bob, to kick things off, um, you know, why did EB-5 stakeholders originally bring legal action against USCIS? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, absolutely necessary. The uh, Integrity Act, which we were very excited about, that's a five-year authorization for the program, which uh, we were talking about this the other day. Not everybody knows this, but that's only the second five-year authorization in the history of the program. And the first five-year authorization was when the pilot program was established in 1992. Mm -hmm. So originally when Congress decided that maybe they needed to make an adjustment to the uh, EB-5 program in order to spur more investment, it was a five-year pilot program. And, but since then, it's been three years, two mm-hmm. years, one year, and in some cases, just months. Yeah. You know, so the program just kind of uh, stumbled along. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, The new act, the Integrity Act, which was passed uh, this year, uh, authorized the program for five years and really good changes uh, to protect the investors. It's good for regional centers. It's good for the industry. We now have surety for a five-year period of time. And there were some guarantees put in to protect investors, which are very exciting. And then USCIS, USCIS came out with a declaration that regional centers would have to resubmit to be authorized, which didn't make any sense and wasn't consistent with Mm -hmm. the law. So that that was the reason for the lawsuit. Okay, so kind of going off of that, what kind of action did the judge take and how did that lead to this settlement? Well, there were a couple different uh, hearings and uh, I have to give the judge a lot of credit. Uh, He uh, was very objective uh, and looked at it, and it was actually a violation of uh, congressional laws, uh, the ruling uh, that, or the statement that came out from USCIS that caused the lawsuit. Uh, the judge uh, did a really good job of kind of digging into it, and as I said, there were a couple of hearings, and eventually the judge issued an injunction mm-hmm. against DHS, uh, which was, was really good, but it really didn't finalize the program in terms of the regional center authorities. Right. Uh, the settlement agreement was a result of the injunction. So USCIS worked closely with uh, uh, the parties that brought the lawsuit, and IUSA was very involved in that to kind of clean it up. And to the credit of the government, uh, they were very cooperative. Uh, the changes that were agreed to actually improved the program. Right. Uh, and it did authorize all regional centers that had been previously approved under the prior law. Which is great. Which is great. Mm-hmm. So, so we're back in business fully. We're five-year authorized the program. 
uh, it's really good for the industry. And we had the little bit of blip there, but in the end, it's going to be really good for the industry because some aspects of the settlement are going to lead to um, ongoing communication with USAIS, and yeah. we can get into that in a minute. And I think, too, it helps um, ensure investors really get a fair chance and and selecting of what regional centers and what types of projects that they get to um, invest in and, and to choose uh, based on, on that rather than uh, only having a limited selection. Yeah, correct. So I think Absolutely. that's really great for investors. Um, so just to kind of go back to, you know, the negotiations um, with the settlement, like what did negotiations look like behind the scenes? Well, they, as I said, uh, USCIS was very uh, open uh, and very reasonable. Um, mm-hmm. I know that the industry, there was an awful lot of pressure outside of the group that was authorized to interact directly with USCIS through our attorneys. Um, you know, they were looking for insight, what's, what's happening. It was very frustrating for those people. But uh, as president of IIUSA, I had committed mm-hmm. and been given authority. The officers had been given authority to represent the board of directors to negotiate in good faith and to respect the wishes of the attorneys that were leading right. the negotiation. So um, early on... Um, uh, some of the original drafts were, were leaked by somebody. I don't know who that was, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, someone who was in that circle violated the commitments they had made, which I don't know if it was for. I assume it was for marketing advantages. Sure. But um, we would not do that even right. though things were out, and we decided to respect counsel's uh, request because it was sensitive in terms of exactly. what was going back and forth and you get too many people involved in these things and it takes on a life of its own. So fortunately, uh, the majority of everybody involved did honor the commitment uh, and, and kept the negotiations to a small group of people uh, led by our attorneys. And, uh, you know, we, we, we ended up with a great result. So it was the right call. I know it caused a lot of consternation and confusion, yeah. but... You know, that happens in these types of things. Well, and you were required to keep it confidential. So. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, we honor our commitments. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I know that we've talked a lot about what led to this settlement, but what is actually included in the settlement? I understand that investors can now file I-526E petitions 10 days after the regional center files the I-956F project applications. Yeah, that's correct. So if you were an authorized regional center under the old program, you're authorized. And uh, one of the uh, uh, agreements of the settlement uh, was proof that you'd filed the the 956. And there was some confusion with respect or some discussion with respect to, well, we're not receiving receipt notices on a timely basis uh, but we're having our checks cashed or credit cards charged, et cetera, shouldn't that serve as proof of filing? And uh, fortunately, and we we're very pleased that the government agreed with that because administratively, uh, from what we understand, there have been some changes within USCIS in terms of receipt processing. They outsourced it. Uh, to a group that's just kind of getting up to speed. So there have been delays in receipt notice Mm -hmm. provision. Uh, So uh, uh, 
recognizing that they said, yeah, if it, if the check is cashed, mm-hmm. clearly you filed. Right. So you're good. And that happens like immediately. Right away. So the 10 day thing that's, that's, um, it actually could, uh, it could be filed prior to that. If the check notice comes through and those checks seem to be cashed right away, they don't have any problem <laughs> cashing right. checks or, or charging credit cards. But, uh, so it's all, that's all good for the, uh, for the industry. And, uh, to your other um, uh, point there, Peter, uh, if uh, you were in the program under the old program, so adjudications for 526s, uh, 829s, uh, th- those just continue. So the investor doesn't have anything to be worried about at mm-hmm. all. Um, and I guess, yeah, that kind of brings me to the next um, question is that, you know, as of today, over eight weeks of existing regional centers became eligible to file the I 9. Uh, 56F. Um, and USCIS has, had only issued a few of those receipts. Um, so what does this do then, I guess, for investors that are waiting to file under their selected project? Well, they can file. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're, we're fully 100% back in business. And investors can kind of take advantage um, of the new allocation of, of visas with no wait time as well. That's correct. And then there's set-aside aspects of the new law, which for if you're a TEA mm-hmm. or a rural project, then that eliminates the lines for some of the countries that have had that impact on the yeah. old program. So uh, we have a, a project that is in a TEA. That's right, Talus. Talus mm-hmm. in, uh, in uh, Southern California at uh, La Quinta, uh, Palm Palm Springs area, which mm-hmm. qualifies, and it's a beautiful project, so uh, we're very excited about that, and that's going to be great for our investors. Yep, I agree. Speaking of investors, a lot of current investors might be a little um, skeptical about this, or they might be a little bit worried about this settlement, just because they may not know what it means for them. So does this settlement have any benefits or protections for existing EB-5 investors? Yeah, it does, absolutely. I mean, it clarifies some of the ambiguity that uh, we've experienced under the old program. And the other thing that it does, which which is really good for the industry, and IIUSA will be participating in this, it, it forces USCIS to meet on a quarterly basis mm-hmm. with us to talk about issues surrounding first the settlement agreement but it will also provide their two-hour meetings an opportunity to address other issues with processing times, et cetera, that we've not been able to have dialogue on in the past. That's huge. It's huge. It's really a yeah. big thing. And, and the, the attorneys uh, have, a, have developed a really good relationship and dialogue with USCIS. We're not uh, adversarial in the relationship. It's a good program. It's good for the country. It drives significant economic growth. They understand that. And, and they, uh, from what we've received and heard, they truly want to make the program a success and have it run smoothly. So uh, having that opportunity forced by the court for two years to have that two-hour meeting every quarter mm-hmm. uh, with a fixed agenda, which we'll be able to input to, uh, is really, really critical, and it's a really good thing for investors and, and for regional centers. It's good for everybody. Well, and all the efforts, too, that, you know, IIUSA and your efforts and advocacy, um, it just shows, you know, the integrity integrity of the program. It's, you know, it's it's changing, and it's becoming uh, better and more beneficial for investors um, and the regional centers. Yeah, it's really good. The mm-hmm. changes... Um, 
uh, shore up some of the uh, uh, shortcomings, if you will, the program, some of the soft spots, gray right. areas that people had uh, taken advantage of uh, in a bad way. Mm -hmm. um, not that it was a majority, it was a small minority, but I mean, it's. I've said this on past podcasts and at industry functions that any industry, all industries have some bad actors in it. And it doesn't matter whether it's insurance or banking or manufacturing or pharmaceuticals. Uh, unfortunately, there are bad people out mm -hmm. there. And this program has taken off and been a very strong economic driver in the United States. And you're going to have some people that see a soft spot in the program and take advantage of it. And a lot of those loopholes, if you will, or soft spots have been addressed. Yep. And that, that's, that's good for the good regional centers, which are 99.9%. Uh, and, it, and it certainly protects the investors. So it's a win all the way around. It is. Yep, I agree. Um, and I know you talked about USCIS hosting uh, quarterly meetings with UI, U, or IIUSA. Um, you know, and we haven't really had that open line of communication like this um, before. And, you know, what role do you see these meetings playing moving forward? Well, it, it provides a platform to discuss about uh, the issues that are impacting the industry and it, it helps the government and it helps the industry obviously and mm -hmm. the spirit with which the settlement was uh, came to conclusion was very positive uh, and I, I think it's great uh, a few years ago we had a meeting all the board members of IIUSA with the director of uh, CIS and we thought that was the beginning of an improved dialogue, and it was it was very worthwhile. But then they stopped. It just kind of uh, it didn't happen again, and they were unwilling to meet uh, in a forum like that. Mm -hmm. And this changes that. This forces it by the court. So it's something that they have to do in order to be compliant with the court's decision. So it's going to happen. Plus, the people that are involved now seem to be much more receptive That's on the great. USCIS standpoint. So uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, you know, I was a little frustrated also, like everybody was, that we couldn't share more information. But again, yeah. we'd made a commitment and we got to a good place. So uh, it's, a, it's a big win for everybody. It really is, and it's great for um, our investors and investors uh, that are looking, you know, even at other, you know, regional centers and different projects. So bottom line, obviously, this settlement was one of the most positive things to happen in recent EB-5 history, and we believe that USCIS was really very accommodating and they, that they did end up doing the right thing. Do you think that they have future plans to continue improving the process for investors, or do you think that we will see more lawsuits in the future? Well, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, the lawsuit avenue was um, effective, and uh, it's been used in the past. But but I think the industry looks at it as if, if we have to do that, we will do that, uh, because they seem to respond to lawsuits. I don't know what the issue might be uh, uh, to say that we won't have any uh, disagreements and conflict with the government over the program would be naive. Mm -hmm. um, our role as uh, the advocacy group for the industry is to pr protect the investor and represent the regional center interests, plus all the ecosystem that goes along with it, the construction companies, the lawyers, 
It's a, a very, very large, complex industry. So if we see something that is not working properly, and we will certainly follow normal uh, challenge routes, if you will, but if we're not getting an answer, we will do what we have to do to force dialogue. Mm -hmm. I hope that we don't have to right. go that way, but to say that it won't happen in the future <laughs> uh, would be naive. Uh, you know, our job is to, again, protect the industry represents the represent the rights of the investor and the um, regional centers so we will continue to to do that that's great yeah. um well i know in this you know episode we talked about you know why the lawsuit happened what's included in the settlement you know what it means for regional centers and investors and then the future uh dialogue between iiusa and us cis but is there anything else that you'd like to add um, for our audience and for our listeners no, I, you know, one of the things that we've seen just recently is a renewed interest in EB-5 globally. Uh, the interest level is very high. So even though the investment amount was moved from five hundred to $800,000, that doesn't seem to be an issue at all. Um, and now that we know uh, we have a clear path to run on, mm -hmm. um, we're, we're very excited with the interest uh, and engagement with investors on the Silver Rock project, Talos project yep. in California. Uh, I've talked to other regional centers that say uh, they're, they're seeing the same thing, that there's no question people want to come to America. Mm -hmm. The pricing is not an issue. And now that we have clarity with respect to the rules, you know, they're getting their documents together and submitting. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good. It's good to be back in business. It is. Five years mm -hmm. was really significant. I had the opportunity uh, to speak with uh, Senator Cornyn on uh, uh, this week. Uh, he was in our from, offices here in right, Milwaukee. He spent an hour mm -hmm. with him. And he was very, very helpful with Senator Grassley, Senator Leahy, and others to move this legislation forward. And he recognizes, we talked about, you know, our next challenge from as an industry is to increase the visa amount. Uh, there are a number of other things that we'd like to see, and he's very uh, open to that. He sees it as a very positive economic driver, and um, uh, we're, we're going to have their support. And, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, there will be other issues that we'll want to work on to improve the industry, but yep. uh, uh, we should all celebrate and uh, feel very good about <laughs> where we are right now. It's been a long battle. It was really an eight-year battle yeah. uh, to get the program reformed. And, uh, and I think we ended up at a very, very good place. And the settlement was kind of the icing on the, on the top of the cake, if you will, in that it clarified uh, issues that had been raised by USAIS. And it ended up protecting the investors uh, even, even more so than the original, uh, the most recent yeah, act. Yeah, that's absolutely done. right. It's good. Yeah, that's great. It's a win-win a um, for everyone, really. And like you said, it's just ensures the integrity of the program and you know the security for investors that they're making the right choice and choosing the right investment with the right regional center so yep absolutely big win absolutely well thank you bob <laughs> yeah. we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us this morning yeah my pleasure my pleasure it's an exciting time for eb5 and uh, uh everybody should feel really good about it wonderful well, thanks again to Peter as well for joining us and you, Bob. And Thank you. And make sure that uh, you look into the Talos Silver Rock FPP project. It's right. uh, in a TEA. 
um, you know, it's part of that set aside class, so it's a really exciting project. Yep. And we're getting good feedback on it. Single census TEA. Uh, 40 jobs per investor. You know, it's in an 18% unemployment rate um, and meets all of the other requirements. It does. It's under construction and right. uh, with a great uh, developer owner in uh, the Robert Green companies out mm-hmm. of San Diego. World class. So we're, we're very excited about it. Yeah. And uh, if listeners want to know more about it, we did actually just have a, a podcast, uh, the last episode, with Jeff Yamaguchi, uh, the senior VP of uh, sales and real estate. Yeah, he's great. He's mm-hmm. great. So, Well, great. Well, thank you, well, thank Bob, you. and thank yeah, you, thank Peter. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. If you would like to know more about First Pathway Partners and how they can help you with a direct EB-5 investment, or if you're looking for other visa opportunities such as an E-2 visa, please contact them directly online at www.firstpathway.com.